Well, hey there, and welcome to the Scattered Saints podcast. My name is Josh. Thanks so much for joining us today. We have an awesome message from Pastor Brett Esslinger. It's part of our series, Under One Name, where we are talking about our church being under the name of Jesus. So turn up your volume, get ready, and I'll see you at the end of the podcast. Hey, thank you for joining us as we, we pivot and uh, I, I thought the best way we could start, I want to actually start with a prayer straight from Scripture. This is Ephesians chapter 3. This is the Apostle Paul writing. Uh, this is Ephesians 3. And so why don't you uh, take a posture of prayer with me. We're going to pray together. It says, For this reason I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named. I pray that he may grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with power in your inner being through his spirit and that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. I pray that you being rooted and firmly established in love may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is length and width, height and depth of God's love and to know Christ's love that surpasses knowledge so that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Amen. Amen. I love how this reads in the New Living Translation. It says, May you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to understand fully. Then you'll be made complete with all fullness of life and power and power that comes from God. There, the love of God is so immensely and enormously vast, deep, wide, tall, all of those three-dimensional words that we use to cr try and understand what it really truly is, um, but it's, it's hard to fully grasp. It's hard to grasp a love that's unconditional. It's hard to, to grasp a love that, that willingly sacrifices and lays life down. We get a taste of that. You know, as parents, maybe we, we get a taste of that. You know, it was just Remembrance Day. As soldiers, we get a taste of that kind of love. But it's really hard to understand the depth of the love of Jesus, the love that Jesus has for you, that he has for your kids, that he has for your family and for your cousins, that he has for your best friends and that he has for your worst enemies. The love of Jesus is vast. It's overwhelming. It, it's, it's indescribable. That is who he is. Now, we're, uh, we're on uh, Vision Sunday. Vision Sunday, and you're like, wow, are we still doing Vision Sunday? What we're doing, uh, as you know, out of the abundance of caution, we, we just chose to shift back online uh, for this season right here. We, we, we're going to bump back. We, we do have an announcement, and we're going to bump that back to November 29th. November 29th. And, uh, and then for the Weka fam, uh, AGM's moved to December 6th. But uh, here's the thing. I think as we think about Vision Sunday, we, we often think about announcements and actions, right? We think about announcements and actions. But in reality, when we think about vision or when we're trying to grasp with vision, what, what I'm hoping we can do over the next couple of weeks is, is come to understand that vision is, is more about who we are. And that as we can understand who we are, then the what we do will come out of who we are. So we're going to start digging into who we are. Are. Now, this is what it says. You, you might know this one. 
Proverbs 29, verse 18, he says, Where there is no prophetic vision, the people cast off restraint, but blessed is he who keeps the law. The picture here is when there's no prophetic vision, when we don't have a sense of who we are, it's like we have no direction. We go left, right, here, there, everywhere. Uh, it's it's kind of like a shotgun. It's like buckshot that just kind of goes out everywhere. But, but God is calling us to understand who we are as a church, who he's created us to be as a church. The vision is about who we are. And, and if you're taking notes today, I would really encourage you to take notes, whether you're on your phone uh, or on a notebook, whatever. Uh, what, what we're, if you want to write down a title, we could just call it Becoming. Becoming. Vision is about who we are, but what we're really interested in is who we are becoming. Becoming as people, becoming uh, you know, as the saints, the followers of Jesus, who are who are becoming, as a church family, who are becoming, as individuals. Let's go to Ephesians chapter four. Ephesians chapter four. Basically, uh, we're going to use Ephesians uh, chapter four as our jumping off point, and over the next couple of weeks, we're just going to make our way through Ephesians four. Uh, kind of verse by verse as, as we move through it. So this is Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1. If you're with me, say, I'm with you. Awesome. I can feel it in the chat. I can feel it coming through that you are with me. I think you should say it really loud one more time. Say it to your TV. Say, I'm with you. I'm with you. Wow. Whoa. I don't know what just happened there, but somehow we heard you through the TV screen. Ephesians 4, verse 1. It says, therefore, I am a prisoner for serving the Lord. I beg you to lead a life Worthy of your calling, for you have been called by God. So the Apostle Paul is writing a letter. He's writing to this church in a city called Ephesus. Ephesus was a major cosmopolitan like city. Like it, it was a major place. And Paul was actually there for three years. He used it as his home base. He was, he was based out of there. He knows these people. He loves these people. They're his friends. They're his colleagues. He was a big part of the leadership of this church. And, and so now he's in prison in Rome and he's writing back these letters, the letters that serve to be the basis of most of the New Testament. And he's writing to this church that he loves. Now, uh, if you were with us, if I don't know if you can remember this, way back in February, we, we, we were studying Colossians. Well, this was was written uh, just after Colossians was written. There's a lot of parallels, but the difference with Colossians and Ephesians is when we look at Ephesians, it's got a little bit more personal insight. It's a little, uh, it's a little more. I know exactly what's going on, and it's more pastoral. In Colossians, he was really addressing certain issues. In, in Ephesians, he's kind of giving an overview, and and this was meant to be a hub. This was an influential local church where they would send out. Uh, all the letters that they gathered, they would send it from place to place, from home to home to house to house, so people could learn how to follow Jesus. So this is, this is him. He says, therefore, I, a prisoner for serving the Lord, I beg you to live a life worthy of your calling, for you have been called by God. Oftentimes when we read verses like this, we think about our personal calling. We think about the way that God has called us. We think about our gifts, our skills, our talents. Our abilities. We think about our personal calling. But this, he's writing to a church. He's writing to a church family. This isn't talking about the personal calling. He's talking about their corporate or their gathered calling. 
It's really a call to unity. So in the church at Ephesus, they had the Jewish believers and they had the Gentiles, those who weren't Jews, and, and they were coming together. They, they were bringing these two cultures together. They were bringing these two religious backgrounds together. They were bringing these two ideologies together. They were breaking down a racial and a cultural divide. And so this portion of scripture is really and truly a call to unity. Would you live a life worthy of your calling? A calling that as a community, that as a family of God is about breaking down barriers and about becoming one family in the name of Jesus. Under one name, the name of Jesus, it's a call to unity. In my Bible, there's an inscription just at the top of the chapter. Now, we don't base our theology on the inscription, but the inscription gives us some guidance as to what the passage is about. And mine says, unity in the body. What I find so interesting about this portion of Scripture is that it's actually heavily anchored in love. We'll continue on, it says in verse 2, Always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other, making allowance for each other's faults. Because of your love, make every effort to keep yourselves united in spirit, binding yourselves together with peace. For there is one body and one spirit, just as you've been called to one glorious hope for the future. Come on, we are one. Now, what's... What's interesting, the Apostle Paul wrote about 13 different epistles, uh, which are the little books in the New Testament. Of his 13 epistles, one-sixth of all his, his, his usage of the word love occurs in Ephesians. As this church that is supposed to be one family is actually divided. As this church that has a, a cultural divide, a racial divide, uh, this church that... that, that that wants one thing, they want to follow one God, Jesus. They, they want to follow after him with their whole hearts. But he says, listen, I'm calling you to a greater depth. I'm calling you to love. Would you love with your whole heart? So here we are. Bridging two cultures. Building one family one community, one church, and our calling is unity. Our calling is unity. Here we are, West Avenue Christian Assembly, an engaged church, under one name, the name of Jesus, called for such a time as this, Echoing the words of the Apostle Paul, he says, Would you live a life worthy of your calling? That calling is God-ordained. That the Lord has weaven, woven the stories of our two church lives and church bodies together. And there is a calling now to unity. So who are we? We are becoming one family. Living a life worthy of the calling of Jesus himself who says, I want to take you from being a local church, from being two local churches to being one regional church with a regional impact, with a regional influence in two lo local locations for now. There's a difference between, out to, between being a local church and being a regional church with local impact. And that's who he's calling us to be. You know, what, what I think I love, I don't think I love, I know I love, 
about our church communities, which is becoming a community and a family, is that there's a common thread that's woven through our hearts, our DNA, our passion. There's a common thread. You could even call it a scarlet cord. That common thread is first Jesus. We are a group of people who have been deeply impacted by the life and the resurrection, the power that's found in Jesus, who gives us hope in our hopelessness, who gives us healing in our hurt, who restores us and puts us back together. We share this common thread, but we also share this common thread. West Edmonton Christian Assembly, Engaged Church, we point people to Jesus. We share this common thread where through the years we've been passionate at each location about reaching people and not just pointing to people towards Jesus, but helping them to discover hope in life in Jesus. We might have done it in different ways, but the same heartbeat, the same thread remains. And that is the thing that is going to pull us together. We have more in common than we are apart. Now, if we're being honest, there's times where I feel like if I say to any one group of people, if I say the other name of the other church, it's like there's, whoa, there's like, there's almost like this, like this uh, low grade animosity or competition as if we're adversaries or as if there's a tug of war. And here we are. And Jesus has woven our stories together. And now I, in the same voice as the Apostle Paul, beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling. It's not easy to bring two families together. But we're better together. I mean, I think about this right now. I think about covid I think about when COVID started, we didn't have all the resources at each location to do uh, what we're doing here right now, but we came together. We came together as a family. We came together as teams. We pulled resources. We pulled equipment. We, we, we did whatever we had to do. We had people from, from Weka going out to Spurs Grove and Spurs Grove coming here, delivering groceries, taking, out, taking care of people who are in need, and we're one family operating, living a life worthy of our calling, living a life worthy of Jesus, where we put Put aside uh, uh, what was and we embrace what is, which is Jesus calling us together into unity as one, as one family. And he even told us how. He gave us a strategy. This is Ephesians 4 verse 2. He says, always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other, making allowance for each other's faults because of your love. I guess we could state it this way. Humility is the first step towards unity. Humility is the first step towards unity. And no one is exempt. There's no exemption card for humility. And this is not easy, but that's why we keep saying we follow Jesus one step at a time. Because humility goes hand in hand with surrender. Can I ask you this question about your personal life? Are you surrendered to the plans, purposes, and directions that Jesus has for you? Big and small. 
book of James says, if you draw near to God, he'll draw near to you. What's keeping you from drawing near? What's keeping you from leaning in? What's keeping you from saying, Jesus, I need you in this season? Don't let your pride keep you back from encountering Jesus. It's okay to say that you need help. It's okay to cry out in prayer. It's okay to call into the church or to text in to the text line. It's okay to send an email. We want to do life together. Why? Because we're a family and it doesn't matter uh, our, our two backgrounds. We are living a life worthy of our calling. Two families becoming one. A step towards unity says always be humble and be gentle. Now I love that word gentle. Going back to the original language, it actually talks about keeping our emotions under control. That from time to time, there's things that happen or there's things that get said, or maybe there's things that you see or, or things that you, more, more likely things that you hear. Could we have a gentle spirit that believes the best, that keeps our emotions under control? You know, later in this passage in Ephesians 4, it talks about speaking the truth in love. Oftentimes we like speaking the truth, but we forget about the love. The picture of gentleness, living gentleness. I think we're like, oh, I, I'm not a pushover. If I believe in something, I need to speak. Oh, you can, you can speak, please. Please speak, please share. But there's this idea of the strength under control. He says, be patient with each other. Now, the definition, it, it, the, you know, what, what I love about uh, Greek, which this is written in, is that uh, they use different words. And so we attach an English word that is closest, but the, the usage of this word patience is actually endurance under affliction. There's going to be times and seasons where it feels like you're under affliction. From exterior, like external sources or from internal sources or pressures that are happening at work, at life, or even uh, in the midst of, of, of the tension of bringing two families together. You might feel like something that you know and love is under attack. And he calls us to patience and to make allowance for each other's faults. You know, in humility, I can come to you today and I can say that, you know, as leaders, we're, we're doing our best. We're doing our best to love this family and to lead this family, and, and we don't always get it right. We're going to make mistakes. We have made mistakes. We will continue to make mistakes. But I'm thankful that the Apostle Paul calls us to make allowance for each other's faults, that we live out of a common grace and a common love for one another where we believe the best. You know, we have a saying amongst our worship and our creative teams, and, and it pertains to our Sunday experience. We, we've embraced this idea that we can get better every week. That things aren't always perfect, but we can keep getting better one day at a time, one step at a time. Come on, as a person, as a human being, as a church, could we get better every week? Better in humility, better in gentleness, better in patience, better in making allowance for each other's faults. We're not always going to be perfect. But we're called to live a life worthy of our calling Here's what I want to do. Can, can, can you come with me? We're going to go on an exciting adventure to the book of Revelation. Come on, somebody. The book of Revelation. Buckle up. We've been there uh, a number of times over the last number of weeks. And each time when we're in the room together, I just see people's eyes go, whoa, we're going to the book of Revelation. Yeah, yeah, we're going to the book of Revelation. Come on, somebody. The book of Revelation. Now, this is Revelation chapter 2. Um, and when, when we're reading Revelation chapter 2, this is a, a prophetic voice that's speaking. Uh, 
And Jesus is now speaking to the churches. And guess what? He's speaking to the church in Ephesus. He's speaking to the Ephesians. He's speaking to these people. Years later, after Paul was sharing this advice, he's speaking to them and he's speaking about how they've done. Think about this. Scripture tells us that as a spiritual leader that I'm accountable, that I am multiple times more accountable for our, for our church and, and, and for those who we've been entrusted with, that there's a level of account that I have to, that I'm called to. But as a church family, we're also accountable. And, and this is a generation passing a lifetime. And he says this in Revelation 2, verse 2, I know all the things you do. I've seen your hard work and your patient endurance. Did you notice that? Paul just said, be patient. They listened. And they're getting celebrated for it. I know that you don't toler tolerate evil people. That you've examined claims of those who say they are apostles, but are not. You've discovered they are liars. That comes later in Ephesians 4, where he calls them to hold on to the truth and to keep people accountable to the word of God. They heard it. They received the word. They put it into action. They're getting celebrated for it. He says, but... He says, verse 3, you have patiently suffered for me without quitting. Come on, let's not quit on one another. Let's not quit on community. Let's not quit on family. Let's not quit on relationships. Let's believe the best. Let's be humble and gentle. Make allowance for each other's faults. Let's not give up on this worthy calling. We're just getting started. He says, you did not quit. You patiently suffered. But here we go, verse 4. But I have this complaint against you. You don't love me or each other as you did at first. Look how far back you've fallen. Turn back to me and do the works that you did at first. Hmm. You don't love each other or me in the way that you once No matter what's happening in our world, no matter what's happening out there or in here, may we be people who love Jesus with our whole hearts. And as we love Jesus, we can't help but reflect out his love. We love one another, our neighbor, our brother, those who sit beside us or those who go to another location. We are one family for such a time as this. Now, in his commentary on the book of Revelation, theologian James Ramsey says this, of the seven cities mentioned, Ephesus had experienced the most change during its history. <laughs> the most change. It, ex it experienced exponential change in their way of life, in how they did things, in how their city was situated, in their economy, in their health, in, 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 in their financial stability. They experienced all this change. And, and as, as, a, as, as a result of the change, <laughs> that love started to drift because they got so distracted about all the other things that were going on. And now Jesus is here today and he's calling us back. He says, first and foremost, would you love me with the same love, the insurmountable, vast love that is indescribable that he loves you with. He wants you to love others with and he's calling you back into a deeper relationship, personally one-on-one, -on -one, that we would live a life worthy of our calling as, as, a, as a church, as one body, as one family, but taking it down to a personal level that we would love Jesus with our 
whole hearts. This is about who we are becoming. Who we are becoming will determine what we do. We are people who love deeply. I love this. Let's continue in Ephesians 4. Now that we've got some context, we look at the end of the story, we come back. This is the encouragement in verse 3. Make every effort to keep yourselves united in the Spirit, binding yourselves together with peace. Binding yourselves with peace. You ever have those uh, plastic handcuffs? <laughs> anyone? Anyone ever play with those plastic handcuffs and you put them on? I, you know, I would generally put them on a sibling and throw away a key. But the reality is you can just get any other thing and, and, and pry those bad boys open. But the, the picture here is that we would shackle ourselves to peace. That as a community and as individuals, we would be people of peace. That you'd be known as somebody who carries peace into every environment that you walk into. That we would bind ourselves together with peace. That, that, that we would do everything we could to be of one heart and one mind and one spirit. Taking a step forward, living a life worthy of the calling of Jesus. Hmm. Let's skip down to Ephesians 4. We'll go to verse 15. It says, Instead, we will speak the truth in love. Growing in every way, more and more like Christ. That's who we're becoming, like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly, and each part does its own special work. It helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. We are one body being put together to help each part grow. Each part, each room, each location has a special place. And God is using that to reach more and more people. He's amplifying his love through your life, through your home, and through these communities. We can do all the things. We can do everything. We could, we could run every program. We, we, could, we could teach everything. We could give away all the food in the world. But if we lose our love, then we have lost our light. It's a distinctive of who we are. Jesus said in, in John 13, 35, that they will know that you are my disciples by your love. Your love first for one another. Now, maybe you're in the camp that says, you know what, Pastor, I didn't ask for this. <laughs> I didn't ask for this. Maybe I would put it this way. Maybe you didn't understand what you were asking for. I mean, if, if, you know, we can be, like, I didn't see this coming. But what each community asked for. God said, okay, I've got a plan and I've got an idea and I've got a purpose and it's going to be stretching. It's not going to be easy. It's going to be difficult. But I want to turn up the level of your light as he shifts us each from being a local community to being a regional beacon of hope with local impact. We are fiercely local, but we love 
the Edmonton region. He wants to do more church through you. He wants to do more through your family. He wants to do more in your neighborhood. He wants to do more exactly where you are. He wants to do more in West Edmonton. He wants to do more in Spruce Grove. He wants to do more in Stony Plain and Parkland County and in North Edmonton, South Edmonton, and in the entire Edmonton region. Come on, we're looking at you, Sherwood Park. Jesus has a plan and a purpose for you from house to house, from home to home. You are a beacon of, of light, shining the light of Jesus. This is what it says in 2 Corinthians uh, 3. It says, we all with unveiled faces are looking as in a mirror at the glory of the Lord. And we're being transformed into the same image from glory to glory. This is from the Lord who is the Spirit. We're being transformed. We're reflecting the light of Jesus. As if we're looking in a mirror, that means your life shines the light of Jesus. Come on, will you turn on the lights? John 1 says that Jesus is the light, the light that shines in the darkness that cannot be extinguished. The light that you carry cannot be extinguished, but you can turn it up when we walk in humility, when we walk in gentleness, patience, when we make allowance for each other's faults. You can turn the light up. We turn the light up. We turn the love up. We've been called for such a time as this. God has an incredible plan and a purpose for West Edmonton Christian Assembly, for Engaged Church, for our online location, and for more to come. Jesus has a plan to reach this entire region. He wants to do it through you, house to house, home from home. We are becoming like Christ. Who are we? We are becoming like Christ. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks so much for joining us on the Scattered Saints podcast today. If you want to know more about following Jesus or what it means to be part of our church family, you can go to scatteredsaints.ca. You can find service times, online church, and connect with an online pastor to find out more about Jesus. We'll see you guys next week. Thanks so much for joining us on the Scattered Saints podcast.